Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 551. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Summer Sundays, Lorraine Sink! It's me! Ooh, what do you do on a regular Summer Sunday? Give me the plan. I get up, I have some coffee, I sit out on the porch, and I soak up some vitamin D from the sun. Mm-hmm. And then, usually, I do all my cleaning and sorting on Saturday, so Sunday is truly my fun day. I just relax. I try not to do anything. I just want to sit outside, and that's it. That sounds real nice. Oh, my new obsession, to not touch. Do you know this? It's a New York Times phenomenon. Kind of like Sudoku, but it's just you have to put stars in quadrants. I don't know. Google it. Get back to me. It's so good. I just love it. It's very like zen. Fair. But we are not here to talk about games you can find in the New York Times. We are here to talk about all things Marvel because this is the official Marvel podcast where we talk about what's happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, or whatever we are excited about. And there's a heck of a lot in this episode. Lorraine, who are our guests later on? Well, we have a whole bunch of folks from Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, including one Benedict Cumberbatch, Rachel McAdams, and Benedict Wong with Sochi Gomez, which I have to say, I don't know if you're following Sochi Gomez's TikTok. Her TikTok is so cute, and so many of her TikToks are BTS footage you can't see anywhere else from the film. And her just like being pals with Benedict Wong, it's so wholesome. And it's so funny because Benedict Wong is like such a warm person in real so, life, even though oh Wong God. is kind of like sardonic and snarky and stuff. Yeah. But it's really just cute to see, like, Big Dad energy <laughs> with him and Sochi. I adore Benedict Wong. He's just the freaking best. So that's going to be later on in the show. But you know what? This week has been full of cool stuff. Reveals news. Let's start off with maybe the biggest one of them all. Marvel Studios She-Hulk Attorney at Law. I am so excited. There is so much in this trailer that has me hyped We got a little bit of Bruce Banner. We got some of her life. We got her hoisting a man up and carrying (laughs) a man as she should. I'm so ready. Yeah. All Jennifer Walters fans out there, like, get ready. And if you're not yet a Jen Walters She-Hulk fan, oh, you are about to be. Go watch the trailer on the Marvel YouTube channel or the social channels or wherever you get your trailers. It's there. It's so good. Ryan, you know I'm an insane She-Hulk mm-hmm. fan. And this is just scratching every itch that I have for this series. I'm so pumped. Yeah. Marvel Studios She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, the original series from Marvel Studios, is going to start streaming on August 17th on Disney+. Plus. And a uh, fun fact, that is my husband's birthday. Hey, Brian Green, happy birthday. We're watching She-Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Green, uh, the show that's all about the big green lady. Look, It's all coming together. Whoa! But that wasn't the only series we got a little taste of. Marvel Studios' Echo gave us a first look at Maya Lopez's return to the MCU after Marvel Studios' Hawkeye. Of course, we saw her there battling it out with Kate Bishop and Clint Barton. And man, I have to say, Alakwa Cox just rocks. That's what it is. She's (laughs) awesome. She's such a force on screen. 
The origin story of Echo revisits Maya Lopez, whose ruthless behavior in New York City catches up with her in her hometown. She must face her past, reconnect with her Native American roots, and embrace the meaning of family and community if she ever hopes to move forward. I'm really excited for folks to see this show and to open up like a new corner of the MCU and a new perspective, I think will be really, really cool. Oh, yeah. We got more details about the original series because Marvel Studios Echo also stars Chase Spencer, Tantu Cardinal, Devery Jacobs, and Cody Lightning with Graham Greene and Zahn McLarnon. We know that it's it's coming to Disney+. Plus. Episodes of the series will be directed by Sydney Freeland and Catriona McKenzie. Production is underway now, and so we just have to wait a little bit because the original series will be streaming on Disney Plus in 2023. But don't worry. There's stuff to enjoy in the meantime. Mm -hmm. After all, we know that Marvel Studios' Thor Love and Thunder is going to be only in theaters starting July 8th. I'm living for all of the photos and things that we're seeing coming out of the film. Jane Foster is my personal religion, followed up <laughs> by Valkyrie's arms. Thank you. <laughs> that That image took the world by storm. And it was just like, sort of, I think, awoke things in in everyone it's very exciting i love a strong lady what can i say mm -hmm. also speaking of strong ladies marvel studios ms marvel is going to be streaming only on disney plus starting june 8th which is approximately five minutes from now it's oh so soon so we're in we're in the countdown days we're getting so many great clips and things of course you can check them out at marvel on social or on the marvel youtube channel or marvel.com there just continues to be so many great posters and and things to enjoy leading up to the series i can't wait yeah for real and if you need something right right now of course there's marvel studios doctor strange in the multiverse of madness which you can see in theaters right now if you need more content aside from sochi gomez's amazing tiktok we actually have a <laughs> asked and answered a video that you can see over on marvel.com with her which is really great you can learn more about clea in the comics in a new who is clea article all kinds of fun stuff to just satiate your appetites. Also, if you want a little bit more Doctor Strange in your life, there are some new characters inspired by the film and Marvel Contest of Champions. We've got Wong and Rintra. Rintra, of course, being the big green bully boy who we see at Camertage. He's not a bully in the film. He is like a, a An actual bull. bull a... He's a bull boy. Yeah. Rintra and Wong are going to be Marvel Contest of Champions, and both of them can prove that they are the best. In addition to these two heroes that are joining, Doctor Strange is also going to join the roster of new and existing folks who are playing the game. However, he won't be there forever. So you have to log in before June 8th to claim your free Doctor Strange in the game. So go get your Doctor Strange, get your Mintra, get your Wong, and enjoy your life. Um, also, America Chavez, I believe, is in the game as well already. So go play. It's so fun. Shout out to Marvel Games team for working so well with everything that's going on, whether it's the comics or the films, the original series on Disney Plus, all of that stuff. They always do such a great job of bringing things to the games right alongside so you can you can enjoy it while you are in like full hype mode. Speaking of Marvel games, we got the rare, exciting opportunity this week to announce a new one. Yeah, Marvel Snap. It is a CCG, a collectible card game. It's very action-packed. It's so fun for my friends who like Hearthstone or Magic or any of that stuff. I love a card battler game. And it's like full Marvel multiverse, really fast-paced, as you said. It's going to be free to play, launching later this year. So in Marvel Snap, 
fans will assemble their Marvel Dream Team from a huge roster of heroes and villains. You get to collect endless card art variants and really just get into the whole CCG of it all, the collectible yeah. card game aspect. Each match lasts an average of three or so minutes. And Lorraine, you got to play a bunch of it, right? Yeah, I don't want to spoil too much of the game. But you get to essentially be playing at the same time as another person or against the system or whatever. So you're not like waiting around. It's like really, it moves really fast and it's really fun. And it's a really good strategy game because each card kind of has different abilities that you're playing against the other person and you're trying to strategize super fast. It's really fun. I'm really digging it. And there's so many different characters. There's like 150 plus iconic characters that are all kinds of different art. There are different kinds of cards and versions of each character that you can upgrade and stuff throughout the game. It's just super fun. And there's going to be tons of updates. It's going to, you know, you get new cards and art variants that'll be added regularly. So it's constantly, you know, get in there, check it out. There's going to be new stuff all the time. Go to marvelsnap.com to learn about how you can sign up for the beta and get involved, get ready, get set for Marvel Snap. Yeah, and of course you can go watch that trailer for the game over on marvel.com or the YouTube channel or social or wherever you get your videos. You're welcome. Oh, Ryan, you know what? This next thing, mm -hmm. I, I saw it come up mm -hmm. and I was like, this is for Ryan. This is 100% for Ryan, which is Spidey and his amazing friends are going on tour with Disney Junior Live on tour costume palooza this fall. I feel like Catherine Grace would very much love this because I know how much she loves Spidey and his amazing friends. I have to bring her to this. There's like no way I can't let her see this. So it's a big 80 city national tour. So if you have little ones and they like Marvel or Disney, this is going to be super duper fun. So it's called Disney Junior Live on Tour. And it's going to have the first appearances of characters from Marvel, Spidey and his amazing friends, but also like Mickey and Minnie and Goofy and Doc McStuffins, who is like the superstar in our house. Catherine Aww. has so much Doc McStuffins stuff. She has a, a little blood pressure thing, you know, where you put it, wrap yeah, it around like your arm. Cuff. Yeah, a cuff. She has one every morning. She's like, Daddy, check my blood pressure. And Aww. she'll check mine. It's like, she's like all about Doc McStuffins, which is super cool. And of course, I have to tell her a Rhino story at least five times a day because <laughs> Rhino is like the character she loves most from Spidey and his amazing So friends. random, but I, I don't love know. it so much. It's great. But it's going to be a super fun, immersive, interactive concert experience with singing, dancing, acrobatics, 3D special effects. I got to get some tickets and figure out where and when we're going to go the story is essentially Mickey, Minnie, and, and their friends are getting ready to throw a big costume party, but then mysterious weather keeps interrupting the fun. And of course, the Spidey gang has to help them solve this mystery, um, which is super cute. Tickets are on sale now, though. If you want to go get them, go grab them up while you can. I'm sure that they will sell well. So <laughs> grab yeah. the good seats while you can. Also super cool is a whole line of Pride merch was announced this week. Pride month is, of course, all throughout June. But before that, we're kicking off with a whole bunch of stuff over on Shop Disney. 2022's Marvel Pride collection featuring brand new looks and designs featuring some of the strongest Marvel heroes. And what's cool is all proceeds from purchases made between now and June 30th will be donated to organizations that support LGBTQIA plus youth and families. You can learn more about the organizations and their impactful work at twdcpridecollection.com. There's also Disney, Pixar, and Star Wars themes for Pride, but, you know, just buy all the Marvel Pride merch, please. 
Go to shopdisney.com right now. The white shirt button down. The button down one is super cute. Um, I also like there's one with like the Marvel classic red block, but it's all rainbow with like little character symbols under it. Lots of cute stuff. Gimme, gimme. Happy Pride, y'all. Also, a very exciting thing coming up. Amazing fantasy. 1,000. <laughs> 1,000. <laughs> All right. So for Spidey's 60th anniversary, there's already been a bunch of great stuff that we've seen. The relaunch of Amazing Spider-Man. There's a really great variant program going on. And now Marvel Comics is going to celebrate the first issue that featured a Spider-Man. And that's going to be Amazing Fantasy. As you guys probably know, Amazing Fantasy 15 was where Spider-Man first appeared for the very, 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 very first time in mm-hmm. uh, 1962. Now arriving in August, this is going to be a collection of stories that's going to explore sort of past and future stories for Spidey. It's going to be a giant size one shot that's just bringing together like the most ridiculous roster of talent. No, yeah, we got Neil Gaiman coming in there. One of my faves. We have Emmy award-winning creator behind Veep and Avenue 5, Armando Iannucci, making their Marvel Comics debut. Of course, Dan Slott coming back doing some Spider-Man stuff, alongside Jim Chung, who is just like one of my all-time favorite artists. Yeah, So good. And they're doing a story talking about the love between Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson, uh, a story set in the future, which I know appeals to many, many people, Mm -hmm. which is great. Artist Michael Cho, who does these very stunning um he mostly does a lot of covers for us stunning Mm -hmm. stunning work i actually have a series of plates that they used his artwork on they look gorgeous Hmm. he's alongside novelist anthony falcone introducing a new spider-man villain and who else hochi anderson who is gonna do a horror story with spidey and then of course i'm very excited rainbow rowl of course of runaways fame jonathan hickman of x-men and graphic design fame (laughs) The man known for the charts <laughs> and and so many more folks. It's going to just be a big old party for Spidey 60th. I think this is going to be really great. And of course, it's coming for Spidey's official, official, official birthday in August. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Ultraman. Of course, Ultraman is the amazing tokusatsu series from Japan that uh, we've done two comic book series for so far. And the team is coming back to do Ultraman, the mystery of Ultra 7. Writers Kyle Higgins and Matt Groom, who did the previous two Ultraman series, are joined by rising star artist David Tinto to do this series, which is going to be releasing in August. And this one's going to continue to deep dive into the secrets behind the entire ultra mythology and an adventure that is just going to be super duper fun for you know if you're a longtime fan who's watched all the series read the books seen all the different things but if you've never read an ultraman series i think this should be super cool and, and welcome you in of course we've had a lot of fun extra pieces to these stories in the various other series a lot of little uh, side stories and stuff so the first issue will be double sized and include an additional story spotlighting the history of ultra q which is a really cool story that you can see in the previous series and more instructional kaiju steps by the amazing women gurihiru it's about my dog and his steps <laughs> my dog yeah. kaiju there you go <laughs> it's super cute super fun so I'm, I'm excited for that yeah that'll be so fun also you know what's fun that you can listen to right ding ding now marvel squirrel girl the unbeatable radio show you know how i feel about this show i'm biased because i worked on it but i love it so much you can now listen to the first five episodes of this delightful podcast one of my true joys in life is just getting 
tweets and stuff from people who are like, oh, my God, I just started listening and this is the most fun. Like, it's the best. <laughs> I just love people discovering it. It brings me true joy. You can listen to it now wherever you get your podcast, those first five episodes. It's only six episode series, so that's most of it. And speaking of episode six, the big finale, it is out for subscribers to the SiriusXM app and Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. And I think we should take just like a little preview of it right now. Nancy, don't let go! I'll never let go, Doreen! We're on our way! Okay, okay. Seductive is a new adjective for you, Brian. I'm feeling it. The second you bite the inside of someone else's cheek, suddenly you're the bad guy. <laughs> Only in New York, am I right? What? Uh, Rachel, is she single or? I am not giving you her number, Tony Stark. Ah, well. That's right near Ken. Jackpot. Let's go. Phase two, everyone. I, I don't understand what you're. Are you okay? Uh, headbutts. Easily my least favorite kind of butt. Oh, nuts. I just figured out who fine art is. Shut up. Oh. There you go. Subscribe to Marvel Podcast Unlimited for episodes of Marvel Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio show, one week early. And for exclusive bonus content, of course, you can learn more at marvel.com slash squirrel girl podcast. Go listen. Please rate them. Leave us a little comment, share it with your friend and their friend and their friend and like go viral. All right. More podcast stuff because Women of Marvel podcast episode four came out this week. And this week it is all about America Chavez. They're joined by actress Soshi Gomez and stunt coordinator Joe McLaren to talk about all things America. Of course, episodes are out every Thursday on Sirius XM, Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts. So much good stuff. Ryan. What's going on in Polis this week? What's mm -hmm. happening? Yeah. Give us the tea. So we recently had Matt Forbeck here on This Week in Marvel. He's the game designer and writer of the Marvel Multiverse RPG Playtest Rulebook. So it was super cool. We wanted to have him also on Marvel's pull list. So for our reading club with him, he chose The Death of Captain Marvel by Jim Starlin for our reading club. Mm. One of my all-time favorite stories. I definitely cried three times when I was reading it, <laughs> um, which I read it half a dozen times already and it's 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 crushing but it's so good it's so beautiful it was a great conversation with matt all about that stuff and then we had 20 new comics out this week 20 new comics everybody so seven of them were mutant comics whether it's you know like wolverine or new mutants so of our picks of the week they're all mutant books new mutants 25 immortal x-men number two and wolverine number 21 some really great books out this week go check out marvel's pull list to hear us talk about every single book out this week that's a lot of books. That's a spicy mm -hmm. meatball. But you know what else is a spicy meatball? The interviews we have today because Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is bringing us the talent this week. If you haven't seen the movie, this is your spoiler warning. I'm telling you, just stop right here. Look at the time codes in the description, and then you can skip ahead to the community section. So you've been warned. Now, let's get on with it. We have so many folks, and of course, brought to us in kind, generous fashion from Christine Din over on the Marvel editorial team. She was able to do a bunch of these interviews for us. So you're going to get to hear Christine talk to first Benedict Cumberbatch, the doctor of strange himself. 
I was talking with Sam and, you know, we highlighted a lot of the stories he tells involves trauma and how trauma affects the person's journey. Yeah. And so we highlighted about Stephen losing his sister, Donna, at an early age. How has that affected how he acts around others, saving people as a doctor or surgeon, him across the different films? I think, um, you know, the loss of Donna is basically the bedrock of his motivation as a character. So I'm really glad that we exposed that part of his backstory in this iteration of his ongoing journey in the MCU because we meet him as a neurosurgeon who's somebody who thinks he can control a situation through sheer determination and ego and ability. And to an extent, he's right. But what he's really trying to do is triumph over death. He's trying to defy medicine and science and solve problems that result in people living rather than dying and having failed to do that as a young person as a teenager with his sister drowning in front of him and being incapable of resuscitating her that's a pretty dark place to begin a career in medicine and it almost always feels like it's writing a wrong and it's a, a deep scar and i think something he you know, he holds right up until this moment in the film where he realizes, okay, it isn't always, I have to face my fears. It's not always possible for me to control the outcome of things. And I learned that when I was young, but I didn't learn it. I buried the trauma and it manifested in this need to try and master everything. And whether it's with a scalpel and brain surgery, whether it's with sorcery in the, in the multiverse, it's not always the best way to think that you can try it through sheer will and effort and ego-driven necessity to control yeah it's a very interesting bit of his backstory to reveal he was the one who had to take sole responsibility for allowing thanos to you know complete his mission yeah and now in this one throughout the film he's been faced with everyone telling him that he's the biggest threat that he's the one who will always rely on the dark hold and dreamwalk how did that weigh on steven and we do see by the end of the film it's both Christine and America, who kind of helped change his outcome of not being this evil character. Yes, yes. But do they? I don't know. They also, well, they facilitate in doing something that has consequences, which is working with the dark hole in order to achieve the goal. And are the means justified by the end? I don't know. And we don't know what the end of that is. We don't know what the true cost is. At the end of the film, we see someone who's still physically affected by that there's a mark on him and where that goes that's the next chapter and that's a lot of what we'll be throwing around in the story room but it's great to get him in a place where he's even more compromised despite having lent into the idea of not doing it all himself and being a little more of a team player he's still acting outside of the rules so yeah he needs their support to do it but you know he can't defeat Wanda without America Chavez I mean that's the big step he learns is how to facilitate her power and make her believe in it and to get out of her way. But in doing that, he's used a really, really dark force, which has corrupted him in another universe, which has corrupted Wanda in our universe. And by all accounts, with the evidence we have at the end of the film, it's corrupting him. And he's reaching for a solution, but it's a very costly one. So I think that propels us into uh, other potential dark arenas for the future of this character, which is, which is exciting. It's good that he ends in some kind of peril, as well as the excitement of where he goes next with whoever he goes next off with. I do also want to talk about, you know, like Rachel McAdams was saying that the reveal of, you know, Stephen bearing that he has always loved her in every timeline. What was it like filming that? Because Rachel was saying that every time she watches that scene, she just cries every single time just because of how you delivered it, 
and just like the sweetness and the tenderness of that moment. I don't think we've seen that from him. We haven't seen him risk a piece of personal emotional honesty ever. We've seen him struggle to empathize. We've seen him struggle to have an emotional language, really. And I think that searing honesty is kind of, it is flooring in a character that has such self-assurance and certainty in, in so much of what he does. So I'm thrilled it has that effect on her. I mean, she certainly created that moment in Christine's reaction every single take. It was, it was an amazing thing to watch. And yeah, I, I like that about him. I really do. There are reveals and reveals in this film. But for me, as an actor driven by character, I'm, I'm more interested in that than any of the other huge kind of Easter eggs or things that I think fans in general are going to go nuts about. For me, it's the stepping stones to building someone who becomes as exciting as some of those other characters that are included. Yeah, it was very important to me to keep it real and to, to have that human dynamic finish their relationship, end it with that moment of sharing and honesty. And look where it takes him. She gives him freedom to take the risks that he felt he couldn't with her. And that's kind of, it's an amazingly generous thing for someone who's been as hurt by that relationship as she has to do. And her love of him and his love of her is all there in that one moment, even though it's a moment of separation. So it works, it works very nicely in the drama. They're saying hello for the first time as well as saying goodbye for the last. Can't wait for everyone to see the human elements and you know to get this new layer of strange. Me too, me too. All right, great job, Christine. Thank you, Benedict, for chatting with us here. And the train rolls on because we have Rachel McAdams joining the show right now, also talking to Christine. About herself being Christine. <laughs> Two Christines will enter. Who will exit? You reprise the role of 616, Dr. Palmer. But what is it like for the film seeing her in this different light with the 838 version, but also seeing that flashback of the start of Strange and Dr. Palmer's relationship. Yeah, it was really exciting to be told that I was going to be playing multiple versions of myself, of my of my original character. Um, and so it was fun to just kind of get in there and figure out how different she was and make sure she was still recognizable. So you still had that connection. You're still kind of looking for glimpses of the Christine you know from before, but then the chilling moments when you realize she's not really in there anymore, you know, or, or never was, mm -hmm. um, that you have to keep reminding yourself, oh yeah, this isn't just like someone who's changed. This is com a completely different person. So as an actor, it was, it was fun to get to put on those different hats. You know, she's has a very different outlook on Dr. Strange than Christine Palmer from the first film. Uh, she's not only been hurt by him, but betrayed by him in in the worst possible way so she has a lot of baggage coming into this and uh figuring out how to keep her professional and keep it all sort of simmering under the surface was a great challenge and then figuring out in a very short period of time how she learns to trust dr strange again we had a short runway for that so kind of every moment counted yeah there was the point where the illuminati thought that steven is the same across all universes but your character actually realizes now this one is different and you're actually the reason why he was able to not fall victim to the dark hole can you talk about you seeing this version of strange who is very much different 
than the strange that betrayed you. Right. Well, at first she has no choice, but to trust him. It doesn't feel right to turn this child over to the Illuminati to potentially kill her. Um, something about that isn't right to Christine Palmer. And she goes with her gut at the end of the day. And as they go along and spend more time together, she sees a Stephen who is much more selfless, compassionate, interested in mentoring America, putting himself on the line in a way that her Stephen did not. In the end, she sees this Stephen making the right choices. So that's a nice evolution for her to go from absolute total mistrust to the relief of knowing there's still a good Stephen out there. Is it that hope that Christine believes that there is a good Stephen because your character kept his prized possession, the watch, and helped him unlock that whole new portal? Yes, I think even when you're betrayed, it's almost harder to let go of someone who's done you wrong. You know, (laughs) you kind of cling to them even tighter. So I think that's part of her keeping the watch is, is a lot of unfinished business, a lot of trying to process the trauma that she went through with him and hope, hope that there's either going to be resolution within herself or from out in the world somewhere. So when another Steven shows up, it's hard not to transfer her love for the old Steven and desire for things to have been different onto this Stephen. I think it's very human for her to do that. This film is very different from the first one. And just like the tone with Sam Raimi helming it. How is it like filming that scene where it's Christine Strange in America in the underground tunnel and kind of building that tension as Wanda's like stalking them? Yes, that, that whole stalking sequence with Wanda was an opportunity to watch Sam at his finest. I mean, he was like a kid in a candy store and he was like, and then we're going to, you know, the camera's going to be here and then it's going to be here and then it's going to be here. And I want you to hold your breath. You know, it was like, he was just so excited and I was getting so into it. I've never done a horror film because I'm too afraid to even finish the scripts. So it's just never (laughs) happened for me, but it was so excited to find myself in a Sam Raimi horror film. You know, I, I, I so hadn't expect this when I did the first one, Uh, I didn't expect this turn for my character. So to just have him invite us into his mind's eye, the genius of Sam Raimi and walk us through how he was going to build it and all the different steps and just stick with me. Cause we're going to get there. You know, I just, let's build it, let's build it, let's build it. And he did it very intentionally and, and yeah, invited us in. So we knew what, what was happening and, and could build it with him. He was, it was very generous of him. And um, I forget, he was watching some old movie the night before and said, I really, there's this tiny shot. I think it was Kur- Kurosawa for some reason. I can't remember, but he said, I'm going to bring a little bit of that in and a little bit of this and a little bit, you know? And so he, he seems like he's always learning. He's always, he still studies great film. I think he watches a lot of films with his son and they have a little film club from what I understand. And so that was just delightful to, to know that he's still so humble that way. And what was it like filming that scene where he tells Christine that in every single universe, I have always loved you and always will. I just was scared. Mm. 
Yeah, I thought that was a really beautifully written scene by Michael. It was so simple and straightforward. There were no bells and whistles. Dr. Strange wasn't trying to dance his way out of something. He was just so vulnerable, naked, honest. It was heartbreaking and beautiful. And I thought Benedict played it so perfectly. And it made me cry every time. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I can't wait for everyone to see your role in this. Oh, thank you. Nice to talk to you. Big thank you to Rachel McAdams and Christine again. And one more wonderful chat that Christine got for us this week. It is with Benedict Wong and Sochi Gomez talking about Wong and America Chavez in Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Let's hear it. What was your reaction when you both like first read the script? We were doing a table reading. First time that, yeah. that you read the script. Yeah. I had to read it twice because I didn't understand it. <laughs> uh, so wasn't quite sure which universe I was in. Uh, <laughs> and then they numbered them for me yeah. to make it easy. So that was nice. Of no, them. It, was, it was fun though. It was definitely not the version that we shot. And that's actually the movie, but you know, it was fun to read. Yeah. What was your reaction when you found out about all of the different cameos, not just this one superhero team, but, you know, like other as well? Well, I mean, I just still don't know if I know all of them. <laughs> I would like to think I do. But I mean, it was crazy when I got to meet some of them. Mind blowing. I think it's just a real treat for the fans. Yeah. When they see that anything is possible and, and the possibilities are endless. Yeah. What was your reaction to just the ending and just seeing it all? come together mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be a new what? emoji hmm. Hmm. basically chills yeah so at the end of the film you know like america decides to stay in the 616 universe yeah. what does it mean to have your character become an apprentice at the commentage learning from the sorcerer supreme i think it's a perfect place for america especially since she does have some trust issues during the course of the film and she kind of like Let's go of that and slowly let's strange in and then, you know, Wong. And I think at the end, what's better than some, you know, discipline since she's been living on her own for so long, you know. What do you feel like Wong thinks of America as an apprentice? Yeah, she's, uh, I guess, like an orphan of the multiversal world now. And with someone with the incredible powers that she has, you know, we must protect her at all costs and to come on board and join the sorcery school and, you know, for Wong to mentor her. Harness sorcery power. Sorcery power. (laughs) Both Wong and America have a very interesting and complicated relationship with Strange. We also like working with Cumberbatch and infusing levity into such a suspenseful film, you know, keeping him grounded, reminding him he needs to bow to you. (laughs) It was great getting to work with Benedict. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, he's such a legend. It was just so amazing to watch him get into his character, characters, (laughs) you know, and it was just really crazy, honestly. I mean, there's no words to explain how crazy it was. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, especially all those different strangers. I was just like, yeah, I was just watching him and I was just like, wow. Yeah, he uh, can be his own worst enemy at times, isn't it? That's it. That's uh, what this strange does um, throughout this movie. And he's done a fantastic job. He is our national treasure. Yeah. And uh, 
he's everything everywhere all at once. Oh, uh, I see what you did there. You know, we're looking to have him. The film kind of, you know, brings that whole horror element while also being an epic Marvel blockbuster. How intense was it filming all those intense scenes as well as building the suspense, especially because, you know, Benedict, I saw the rough cut where you're hanging on the side and you can definitely see you in the harness. And then, you know, like, so when you were walking down that underground tunnel with the cast. Well, especially in that underground tunnel, it's so funny because they built that on a soundstage. So it was like an actual tunnel and I had to like scream, of course, and naturally a tunnel echoes, but I was asked by Sam to scream. And so I did. And of course it echoed and everyone was like, oh my gosh, you just, I can't hear anything now. And I was like, okay, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I did have to mimic a scream, which is my hidden talent, I guess, because it looks great. And I had to do a DR for it, but it was fun. I mean, I never thought I had, you know, the screaming horrorness in me and well, here it is. <laughs> yeah. <On> reverb 11. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, from time to time, I would see the zombie strange, which yeah. was quite alarming. Casually walking around. Ooh. That was funny. <laughs> he didn't age well, did he? <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, accustomed to the these huge action scenes, which was a big uh, challenge for me in more ways than one. Yeah. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Benedict, can you tell me about the moments where Wong shared with Sarah and, you know, like the hints of the tenderness there where she sacrificed herself because yeah. she felt like you were worthy. Yeah. Well, the Sorceress Supreme, um, she sacrificed herself for me. And I don't know, I think how audiences can pick up on a slight something, of, what do you call it, a free song of something, that there was a possibility of something, but mm-hmm. which sadly never got to happen. But uh, I think one can be content that there's something in a multiverse world where they could possibly be together. But, um, you know, he took the oath and he swore the oath and he's there to protect uh, Kamataj and to be the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much. And I can't wait for everyone to see the film. Bye. Of course, if you haven't already, go see Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness only in theaters right now. Or just like go see it 10 more times. Why not? It looks so good on the big screen. All right. It is time for Question of the Week section. Next week, we are sticking with Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness because next week we're going to have director Sam Raimi and composer Danny Elfman. Holy moly. That's a hell of a show. I know we had a full geek out about these two gentlemen who <laughs> shaped our childhoods. And so we are very excited to have them on the show next week. Truly. And in that spirit, I think we should ask you folks, what were some of your favorite Sam Raimi and or Danny Elfman style moments in the film? Obviously, there's so many moments. Like if you love these two folks, then you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, yeah, this is the moment. Obviously, spoiler alert. But when we, we catch up with a Bruce Campbell we know oh, we're in a Sam Raimi movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, let's be clear. Spoilers are going to happen. Yeah. If you haven't seen the movie, I fully understand. Fast forward a little bit, please. I don't want you to get spoiled if you don't want to be spoiled. But like Pizza Papa. I haven't stopped thinking about Pizza Papa <laughs> at all. It's constant in my brain. And 
and, and, and the moment where Scarlet Witch is going through the tunnel and that Danny Elfman, like, music starts to happen that, like, has that drive and it has that, like, Danny Elfman. I don't know what it is, if it's, like, a minor key or what, but I was just like, I am watching a movie with a Danny Elfman score. Yeah. But, and then the it's Danny Elfman and Sam Raimi because then it's, like, slows down, it stops, and there's the drip, yeah. drip, drip. And like the horror moments and it comes together, the like combination of Sam and Danny together and putting this in. It's so beautiful mm-hmm. and so fun and so weird and so just incredible. Ah, I love it. You can tweet us your answers using hashtag this week at Marvel. You can email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com or you could just send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in Marvel. And of course, please make sure to tell us if it is okay to read on the show because we would love to read it on the show like we're about to right now. Yeah, because our question of the week last week was what character would you want to play in the Marvel Multiverse RPG? So first up is Mallory at Ravenclaw2313, who said to you, Lorraine, I also love tabletop RPGs. The Marvel character I'd be most excited to play is Black Cat or an original spider person. However, I'm pretty sure the character I will end up playing most is the narrator. Hashtag forever DM. (laughs) I respect the narrator role. Mm -hmm. It is very important. But I would love to play Black Cat because that's got to be essentially a super solid rogue. I mean, she likes to steal. She climbs around. She's like dexterity based. Love it. Mm Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got Graham Eberhardt at Reverend GB, who said, maybe unfair with her being unbeatable and all, but it's all about Squirrel Girl for me. Ugh, what a great answer. Yeah. Woden Clark at Woden underscore Clark says, Billy Kaplan, aka Wiccan, the Demiurge and son of the Scarlet Witch. What a great answer, Woden. Yeah. Everyone's picking power players. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, we've got Sparky Malarkey. <laughs> Sparky Malarkey, great name. If we pick Moon Knight, would that be a four for one deal? Ooh. Hashtag Conchu. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's like great. That. Yeah. Rally Cat at Rally Cat tweeted, Janet Van Dyne slash the Wasp, please. She'd be great too, because oh, yeah. she's like so teeny and she can like sneak in places and then be mm-hmm. like, bam, big punch. <laughs> All right, next up, Luna at the Random Robot says, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur would be so fun, and the mind swapping could add a bit of spice into the gameplay. Besides, who wouldn't want a giant red T-Rex and the smartest person on the planet in their team? Very true. Solid logic. Loy Terror of 2020 at turns 1701E tweeted, Spider-Man, any of them, Peter, Miles, Miguel, just give us all the Spider-Men. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know that, you know, in the playtest, Spidey's already there. So, mm-hmm. all right. Supreme Jisoo slash Khan at Supreme underscore Khan 23 says, Nico Minoru. Oh, yeah. 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 That's so fun. I wonder if you'd have like spell slots and stuff. Yeah. That'd be cool. Coffee and Bronuts at Coffee Bronuts tweeted, Black Bolt and whoever is playing him can only communicate through writing. Ooh. Mm. Or if you know sign language. And yeah. you can communicate through signing. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. That's a cool idea. I like that. Next up, the Kawaii Prince at Colin J. The only answer to who anyone would want to play in this RPG is <laughs> Jeff the Landshark. And you know what? I love that. Yeah. That's just like a little mm-hmm. agent of chaos with a big bite. That would be so fun. And also, like, I kind of like the idea that this character also would not talk. Yeah. They would just describe like what they're doing and be chaos. Yeah. Oh, 
I would love to play that. Mountain Meg at Meg Stalker tweeted, It's always a ding-dang delight to see it in Marvel Future Revolution, Agent M. Uh, Meg posted a picture of her character next to one of the Agents M in Marvel Future Revolution, which everybody go out, play it, find me, tag me, tweet me. Meg continues saying, I love playing a Scarlet Wish and hearing Ryan and Lorraine talking about this incredible character and mobile game on This Week in Marvel was a real treat. To answer this week's question, I'll definitely be playing the new Marvel Multiverse RPG as Captain Marvel, but I'd add Goose as her trusty companion, Aww. ready to roll some flurkin' fury when we get into a tight spot. Love the podcast as always. It's a highlight of every week for me. Thank you, Meg. We appreciate you. I love that Mountain Meg included a screenshot of your Agent M mm-hmm. lookalike in the game yeah. with Scarlet Witch, and for a minute, I thought it was me. <laughs> I was like, is that us? Oh, I mean, no, it's you, just like a lady with red hair. You did cosplay as Scarlet Witch a couple years ago at Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con. It's true. It's yeah. true. I love it's a great. Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we got an email from Grayson Wozniczewski, a short one that said, is Alligator Loki an option? Cuter Loki. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love all of these like animal ideas. I mean, you have to be, right? Or maybe you could get Loki and just like have one of his abilities be that he can turn into an alligator because he can like transform. And in his alligator form, he could have bite. That could be like his melee. Yeah. On to an email we got from William Rose. William, as always, thank you for your amazing long email. Lots of questions, lots of cool stuff. I'm going to just grab a little bit in here where William says, my Marvel multiversal RPG role or roles would be plenty. If I were Mr. Sinister for each timeline, I would change the events of each winning chance of each last online voted member of the X-Men team in this year and last year's Hellfire Gala. Then I'll have to create and go into the minds of the clone of every last member and see what possibilities and spotlight we should have gotten, as well as voting the home continents of each last member represents with Jerry's writing, Pepe's art, and Marte's colors. I feel for you, Monet, Armor, Bling, and many mutants of color. So William gets into some Hellfire Gala stuff, some X-Men stuff, some X-Men team stuff, in addition to the Marvel multiverse RPG of it all. I think, William, you'd be a great Mr. Sinister. You'd just be like doing some weird stuff, messing with everybody. That would be a really fun way to play that game. I feel like Mr. Sinister should have like a clone ability where he could clone himself kind of multiple man style. All right, next up, we got some messages on our Facebook from Raphael Perry. First off, Marvel RPG sounds fun. I never played D&D, so it would be cool to give it a try. This talk made me think back when my friends played Marvel vs. System TCG. And have you all ever tried it? Me and my friends are going to dust off the old decks and get a game going. Always loved my X-Men Avengers team deck. Oh, that's so fun. The Marvel versus the system card game. That's so yeah. cool. TCG is similar, not too dissimilar from a CCG. You can go check out Marvel Snap, Raphael. Maybe you, you might like yeah. that and get you a new version of it and get to playing around and it might be fun for you. All right. That's a wrap for us. This episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Pagos with help from Christine Din. Our senior manager of audio production and development is Brad Barton. And Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Special thanks to She Hulk's Whelps. Whelps, that's it. <laughs> I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe. What?